Well, hello and welcome to episode 66 of Lousy Beautiful Town, where everyone's on fucking strike and the union makes us strong. I'm your host, Abby, and I'm joined by your other host, Jess. Woohoo! Come here. <laughs> <laughs> this is my shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. We, um, we are recording our third episode of the year. <laughs> it's July. I'd consider this a win. Episode 66. Um, this should, like, had we stayed a Star Wars podcast, this should have been a big deal. This um, should have been a big deal. And this also would have been an annoying, like, retrospective on Order 66. Yeah. That's so. what it would have been. So you're welcome yep. for us <laughs> rebranding and not being a Star Wars podcast anymore. <laughs> oh, so funny. Um, but 66 episodes since 2019. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but hey, we're close to episode 69. It's going to be, we're gonna I don't know. do something special. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be. It special. might be in 2024. So <laughs> don't hold your breath. <laughs> Let's be real. It probably will be. <laughs> Yeah, we probably got like maybe one more episode out of us this year. Yeah. And then the next episode after that would be what the fuck happened in 2023. And then we'd get to episode 69. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. That's probably exactly what's going to (laughs) happen. I'm predicting it now. Oh, God. Um. Well, anyway, yeah, everybody's on strike, and that's kind of where we're going to be talking about this episode. Um, but more, more about more Formula One, <laughs> um, which Formula One is not on strike. No, but, no, they are not. Um, it should be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, this we've been thinking and talking about labor <laughs> a lot this past week. Um, I mean, we do all the time, anyway. Um, I think we've made that very clear on our podcast in the past that we are very pro labor, pro union kind of kind of duo. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been talking about it a lot this past week, uh, mostly because of of the WGA and SAG after strikes going on, and then also there has been some fuck shit in Formula One <laughs> as relates to honestly labor at the end of the day yeah um that i feel like i I know there are some people having these conversations like on formula one twitter in particular um because we are following those people Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like as a whole this whole thing that's happened in formula one isn't being viewed as a labor issue Mm. and it's just it's interesting it's very interesting so we're gonna talk about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's what interests us (laughs) yep yep exactly um, but we would be remiss if we did not mention like what's happened in the past couple days. <laughs> um, because I, I'm sorry, like I, apparently nobody cared about the writer strike except people that are involved in entertainment. And now suddenly all the celebrities are out picketing and mm. it's going to get a lot of attention now. And the director's guild fucked up and <laughs> was not a part of this. So, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, I mean, I know what these like shareholders and executives are thinking, but also I don't <laughs> like, what is the yeah. end game here? Lose a ton of money and piss everybody off that makes your, makes you money, makes your content. Right. Like, I don't understand. I I mean, I know that, that the thing is if, if they cave to, 
to Hollywood and everybody starts striking, everybody's going to have to cave and it's just it's going to be hugely disrupt- disruptive and to their mm-hmm. bottom line. So I know why, but also guys are fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. Fucking dumb. It's just, it's just such a, a, a glaring example of how detached rich people are <laughs> from literally anything. <laughs> From reality, from how, Uh what it's like to not be wealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. They have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Um, Ron Perlman is going to burn down Bob Iger's house, and I might join him. Maybe I shouldn't say that because considering all the others, we're going to be talking about stuff too. So maybe I should say less inflammatory things. But yeah, I mean, right? I've said far worse things at this point. So whatever. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would never burn someone's house down. That's that's never. terrible. Never, never, ever. Especially not Bob Iger's, whose address it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what his address is. <laughs> uh, several addresses at this point. You know, right? Honestly, several. I would never burn down several of Bob Iger's possessions. <laughs> like never. <laughs> I am, however, rooting for the Orcas to get his yacht. Oh yes, me too. So. That would. Oh. <laughs> internet if that happens the internet will never be the same will never be the same <laughs> that would be the best day on the internet oh, all of so these writers good. and actors are not working somebody's gonna write that movie <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. oh my god we never we never talked about we're not going to on this because we have a limited amount of time thanks yeah. to zencaster now we can only record for <laughs> up to two hours which is longer than a standard podcast length anyway (laughs) but we're upset because we want to talk for like three uh and not be interrupted but we never we didn't talk about um like on here on our podcast about the whole titan submersible situation (laughs) one of these days we're gonna have to sit down and do that because we have so many things to say about it and we are uh unexpectedly attached to james cameron right now (laughs) we cannot stop talking about mr ocean himself i don't care about james cameron and i don't like him really no i I hate the avatar movies Titanic was great. Yes. But for then, I, li- I have no in- invested interest in James Cameron as a person or a public figure. I swear right. to God. He just happens to be wrapped up in all of like, the special interests that uh-huh. we share and that, uh-huh. all- that came back into focus when this submersible situation happened. And I watched several of his documentaries <laughs> on deep sea exploration. He's a little freak. He is. He just he's such a freak ocean. about the ocean. But he's an actual. Okay, we can't talk yeah, about this because no. it's no. But anyway, we have this weird affinity for James Cameron now, and I, I, but I burned down his house too. Same, same. And I feel like, I feel like this also happened with Margaret Thatcher a couple years ago. We hate her so much. Like, we just have, like, a person of the year that is the most unexpected, like, obsession Mm -hmm. for us. And it's against our will. (laughs) Did you see the – this is related to what we're talking about in in terms of SAG-AFTRA. Did you see the TikTok I sent you earlier today? Uh, I don't know. About 
Okay, so the fact so House of Dragon is still filming right now, and that's because the it's a British Union kind of thing. Yeah. Um. And I don't fucking quote. I just it was a TikTok I watched earlier today, and I sent it to Jess. So I'm doing the best I can remembering <laughs> this. Um, there they can't do solidarity strikes because of legislation that was passed by Margaret Thatcher. That bitch. <laughs> She's <laughs> ruining <not>. everything. <laughs> it's always her and Ronald Reagan. They uh, ruin everything. <laughs> they really do. Oh my God. That's how I feel about Helmut Marco and Bernie Ecclestein in oh, real life. They just fucking ruin yes. everything. Um, yes. We're, we're going to talk about them a lot. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't know what studios are thinking. No. I don't know what these rich are also thinking. I, I know what they're thinking, but I also don't because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, right. And I would just like to point out um, all of this is happening because of racism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, similar to um, why credit scores are a thing, why we have the student loan issues, um, why college is not free anymore. It's all because black, mostly black people, but brown people, too, started going to college, starting started being able to take out credit, and um, white people just don't want <laughs> anyone but them <laughs> getting access to capital or any way to have upward mobility and, and cla- upward class mobility. And so I, I would just like to point out that this is a similar situation. The more marginalized people that are now writers and um, working class actors are now being paid shit and are not getting paid shit in residuals. Um, we're, are we going to go into the details of the strike? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that um, our time is better spent talking about other things, but yeah, I think, I think if you want more information on like the, the, the details of it all, you should be uh, listening to people who are going to be dedicated to following this and like reporting on this content regularly though we would love to be in that kind of position both Jess and I are too mentally and physically unwell (laughs) to do so um so we can't be consistently covering this um aside from like retweeting stuff on Twitter or on whatever fucking social media site we happen to be on at that moment but we, we can cover some of like surface level things and like what what else we can do to help other people who know more than us yes. <laughs> during this time. Yes, exactly. Um, and there is an element to this that could affect us and mm-hmm. other podcasters. Um, yeah, so if you're also a podcaster, listen. <laughs> um, and we might actually come out with another episode specifically for podcasters to be like hey this is what we learned um and this is what we feel like we should be doing um but um I have a friend who is an attorney and she works in contract law and um so we are we are paying her to advise us on like how to protect ourselves and our content against AI (laughs) because Mm -hmm. that is a huge um uh that's a huge point in this strike for both writers and actors is that um, corporate these these corporate studios want to use AI in perpetuity to capture these people you know, capture likeness writing whatever creative anything that that the worker owns <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and be able to have access and use that and profit off of it and now we're like well uh, we have hundreds maybe like a hundred but hundreds. <laughs> 
maybe a hundred hours in total. <laughs> yeah, of our voices speaking on kind of controversial things and mm-hmm. lots of stuff in pop culture that is related to like entertainment and politics all kinds of things like we have hundreds of a hundred hours of that kind of stuff just out in the ether and it's mm. we're on all of these like a hosting platform but all of the podcatchers have our content we uh we use pro- like i guess browser-based programs to record <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we're kind of looking at all of this stuff that we probably should have looked at to begin with but because we're not doing this for a profit it was kind of like it's just a hobby like whatever we don't care and also like why would we be educated on any of this like (laughs) sure right yeah this is not this this is not just a nice day job (laughs) we have we have full lives and jobs out this is just for fun we do this for shits and giggles yeah um also, while you're talking about that, too, it just you know how like more and more like AI little AI voice programs are coming up um, and like people are doing like I I keep getting on my TikTok for you page and this is driving me nuts. Fucking Max Verstappen, quote unquote, Max Verstappen AI <laughs> singing different songs and it's terrible. It's awful. But like I just I, I was thinking while you're talking about that, I was like, I wouldn't put it past some people to take our voices and put it in an AI thing and make us say whatever they want. Because I don't know, there have been podcasts that have done like eight minute long rants about us um, on their lives before. So I don't, I don't trust anyone. I don't either. In in our former podcasting community. Well, I mean, there are people that I trust that are our friends still and they know who they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of people I don't trust on the internet. Um, we've burned a lot of bridges, and we have. <laughs> I, I just so don't. Many. I don't trust people, and I want a way to not only be able to pre- protect us and mm-hmm. and what we've created, but protect the guests and people mm-hmm. that we may have on as guests in the future. Because we were very intentional. Uh, oh God, I can't fucking talk. I want to not only protect us and like what we've created here, but the people that we've had on as guests and may have on as guests in the future, um, because we were very intentional about how we went about this entire podcasting thing, believe it Mm -hmm. or not. (laughs) Maybe, maybe we've kind of, you know, relaxed, uh, in, you know, the last Mm -hmm. couple of years, but I hope everybody has, to be honest. Um, but most of our guests, if not all of them, are of some kind of marginalized identity or background, and so, yep. Um, the way that I can't think, I can't think of a single one who's not. <laughs> yeah, like the way that this country is going, I just want to make sure that there's mm-hmm. some kind of legal avenue for for us to protect ourselves. Even though the legal avenue is based off of the system itself, it's just mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't want to be stupid about it. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, so we're looking into different things for us to do. <laughs> yeah. And we um, will, we're, once we meet with our attorney, we have an attorney. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> once we meet with our attorney, <laughs> we will, um, may, like I said, may or may not um, have another episode about, about that kind of stuff. Cause, um, because I want to 
embarrassingly admit, um, we found out through all of this <laughs> that podcasters are in fact influencers. I hate it. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> like if but I we, hate it. yeah, like we we qualify as influencers, and it's very embarrassing. We're very upset about it. <laughs> Please don't talk to us right now. <laughs> like we are mourning during this time. <laughs> but this is this is wait, hey got this is no this is not pe- me digging at people who are influencers. It's just this is not something we ever wanted for us. <laughs> no, and it's still not something that I would that I want. So the fact that our fun little hobby is like putting us into this category of of online persona that is not something it's too much work basically Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. if shit starts happening to influencers it could happen to us too is all i'm saying like legally or whatever whatever ai shit starts happening which is already happening i'm sure that you know we just don't know about it Mm so so for our fellow podcasters that are listening you are also influencers. I'm sorry. Or you're welcome. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. For some people, that's legitimate goals and good for you. It was not for us. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, if you can make money doing that, like. Hell yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Influence away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think also. We just never expected that to be an adjective for us. <laughs> Seriously, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, um, this is all to say, um, SAG did release some information. I think it was like this morning around, Mm -hmm. um, influencers and how to promote or not like just basically how you can, how you should behave during this strike in terms of promotion with, with, um, specific IP that's out or coming out right now, like Barbie and all, you know, Oppenheimer and all Mm -hmm. that shit that's coming out like next week. Um, and, and entertainment journalists because they do indeed fall into the journalist category and not the influencer category, despite what everybody Mm. seems to think for some reason. Right. Um, and so I know like you can be, you can be both. Um, but Mm -hmm. usually people who are both know that they're both. (laughs) So, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, even though we did not know that we were influencers, I feel like it's, this is different anyway. Um, they did release an, like an FAQ page on like how to behave during this time. So you're, you are not considered crossing the picket line or scabbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, there are a few people, um, that we recommend you follow for strike updates and for education around this. Um, one of whom is Francesca Ramsey. Uh, what is her at on Twitter? It's... Um, I should have put everybody's ads on Twitter, but usually if you just type in her name, it'll come right up. Uh, it is at Cheska Lee, yeah. C-H-E-S-C-A-L-E-I-G-H. Um, but she's all over TikTok too, and she's given a lot of really good like informational and educational context to everything. Um, she's a mm-hmm. member of and WGA, I believe. So she um, also has a vested interest in this. Um, and then Adam Conover and I don't know who Clara. F- uh, yeah. So Clara is um, somebody that I've been following on TikTok. Her uh, at on TikTok is that clarified C-L-A-R-A and then five cute. Um, she right. has been covering WGA strike information. Uh, blah, blah, blah. 
she's been covering WGA strike information since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and she's not a WGA member yet, uh, mm-hmm. but she has been um, very like, she's been very good and consistent in her reporting on what's been going on. She calls it her strike tea of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's, it's good information. So would recommend following her on Twitter. Um, I think she's on Twitter at the same um, and especially her TikToks. Yes, yes. If you want to know the ways you can help, if you know you're not a member of either of these unions and you're like, I I want to stand in solidarity, um, or and I'm and you're not in a union and so you don't have any kind of like union union, um, I guess knowledge or information, because why would you like the influencers guide is now up from from SAG. Yeah. Um, definitely, if you see strike content from the union members specifically, mm-hmm. boost it um, because you want. There's a lot of there's been a lot of misinformation floating around too. So you make you this is yeah. really critical that you vet your sources in this case. I mean, it's always important, but media literacy in this case is extremely um, important. Um, mm-hmm. Don't just and and if you're confused, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you're confused, like especially, so I've seen a lot of influencers very anxious about all of this. Um, mm-hmm. One, I think that's understandable. Two, I think there was a little bit of like making it a little too much about influencers mm-hmm. um, than about like the strike itself. And I think that comes down to. Um, <sighs> I think a lot of that comes down to when white people's lives are disrupted like this. And I'm not saying all influencers are white people, but the ones that I saw complaining about this the most were white people. Um, when white people's lives are disrupted, uh, we tend to panic um, instead of take a deep breath and like listen and follow along with what other people are saying. Um, so like, Yes, I get it. This does impact. Uh, this doesn't impact us on a financial level, but it does impact other people on a financial level in some way, shape, or form. Like you're going to have to figure out how to pivot a lot of your content now, and I get that. You don't want to be crossing picket lines. You don't want to be a scab. You're trying to be conscious, but also at the same time, let the union take care of their people before they start even thinking about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the fact that they got this influencers guide out as quick as they did, I think, is phenomenal. Um, so refer to the influencers guide. And if you have further questions, they have specific emails they want you to contact. So that way you can get further clarification. Yep. Um, vet everything that you post about this because, Mm -hmm. um, I've, uh, we've already seen in some of the, um, media outlets, uh, posting stories about this um, yeah. variety. <laughs> I think a dead was a deadline. There's mm-hmm. been uh, I don't know. There's been a few outlets that have reported on inf- like interviews, union information, strike information, um, and they have misquoted people. And two of them so far have been actors. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously actors are who they are. And so if, as soon as they find out, they're like, fuck that. <laughs> and they've been on socials. Um, Matt, Fuck Matt Damon. But Matt Damon <laughs> came out and was like, I am in full support of the unions. Do not misquote me. Like him and his uh-huh. lawyers were on that. I think it was like Hollywood Reporter or something like that had to change the wording in one of their articles. And it happened like within 24 hours. And so mm-hmm. just be really careful, like who you're retweeting at what source, like what content you're consuming as far as this is and sharing because these corporations have a lot to lose and Mm -hmm. I'm I don't put it past any of them to not start feeding out false information about the strike (laughs) and so and and the conditions of the contracts that they're um that all of this is happening over so I mean, okay, so sorry, I don't want to veer us too off topic, so it's just going to be a brief uh, thing, but I mean, like, you think of uh, uh, online hate campaigns that have occurred in the last couple of years, speaking of AI, how many AI bots occurred just to make up fake news about Meghan Markle that went fucking everywhere that that contributed to this is also content that we talk about a lot (laughs) (laughs) that contributed to her and Prince Harry leaving you know um it is not past these companies to do the same yeah there's a lot of money at stake like Mm -hmm. yeah the legal, mm-hmm. like the the legal fines that they endure, um, if if even anybody comes out and is like that's not true, it's it the amount of attention and mm-hmm. possibly misdirection that they're able to provide for enough people is worth it to them in some cases. This is the amount of these are the large amounts of money that we're talking about. Like yeah, a couple or even like a hundred thousand dollars is like whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's nothing to them. Yeah. That would radically change a hundred thousand dollars would radically <laughs> change my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> radically. It still wouldn't pay off all my student loans though. <sighs> well, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah. um, other things that you can do to help is uh, donating to the entertainment community fund. This is the this is what the unions are using to help pay people who need financial support during the strike. Um, kind of a reiteration of listening to actual strike captains. And then if you're confused, just refer to the WGA and SAC after websites. Yes. And um, reach out to their emails. Yeah. That they list. Yep. yep. Um, I would say one last thing too, um, is because union unions and strikes are not part of the collective consciousness anymore. Um, mm. It's really important to know about labor history in this case and not just because you would need to know what's happening and like how to be a conscious consumer and how to support the strikes. Um, But there's going to be a lot of other strikes this summer, Mm -hmm. most likely like UPS probably won't end up striking, but I kind of hope they do. (laughs) I hope they do. So Um, I think people need to see the impact that that would have. I think a lot more people would start joining unions and start really, I think that would snowball a couple things mm-hmm. <laughs> as much as they can be um and so it, I, it's really important to know labor history because one that's not something we're ta- that we are taught about in any class in history unless you're I think in higher education I don't remember learning mm-hmm. about any strikes in high school or no. middle school history at all um, I think we talked about newsies like once. <laughs> um, I think we might have talked about the um, garment workers um, mm. 
in New York because of the mm-hmm. th- the building fire in the what, whatever that building is called. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe we talked about that, but like there's there is a a long and beautiful history and also ugly history, <laughs> complicated history um, mm-hmm. of labor in the U.S. And the, you know labor unions are the reason why we have the five day work week. Even though fuck that, but imagine if we work longer than a five day work week uh-huh. and longer than forty <laughs> hours, which a lot of people still do because they are not protected mm-hmm. in the same way and unions are not as prominent these days for a huge for, for uh, by design. Um, because rich people want to make more money, um, and they are make—they're all making record profits right now. <laughs> so that should tell you something. But um, and working class people and like middle class people have n- not been worse off financially and economically mm-hmm. in a long time. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, maybe think about why. Um, but anyway, there's a book called um, "Fight Like Hell" by Kim Kelly. She is a labor journalist and activist, and um, there's just a very rich history mostly of black and brown people unionizing and winning (laughs) Mm. and joining forces solidarity and I think a lot of there's a lot of nihilism in um in online spaces these days and just in general like it's very easy to fall into just despair over the conditions of the world right now and reading about the history of solidarity is inspiring. And I think mm-hmm. anybody that is, you know, pro, pro labor, you know, left any, any person that doesn't feel like what we're doing right now is working, <laughs> which mm-hmm. should be all of us, but whatever. Um, highly recommend reading this book because, you know, things like this can be repli- replicated and they sure. should be, and they might, it might possibly be, starting so um educate yourself um and the author is on tiktok or not tiktok on twitter and um, i think she's like at kim kelly something um and she always tweets about like new labor like labor stuff that's going on like nationwide and worldwide that isn't really in the news like ups is barely in the news now (laughs) they're going Mm -hmm. to be but like they're all the they're all about all the strikes and like union contracts and stuff like that that are going on that you don't hear about. Uh, highly recommend her. Um, let's see. Do we want to talk about Formula One now? I think we should talk about Formula One. We have 87 oh. minutes. <laughs> oh my God, 87 minutes to talk about Formula One. We had to restart <laughs> our recording because yeah. something fucked up. Um, and I'm still kind of worried about this one because the way the sound waves are is very different to what they usually are but who cares i guess we'll find out yep nothing we can do we could always switch over to your account too if we decide we need to talk longer (laughs) (laughs) yeah we could do that (laughs) okay so what i find hilarious about this whole f1 thing too is literally the day before the event happened and i'm gonna edge the event for people (laughs) who are unfamiliar um I was literally talking with our friend Emma about, well, it was how the Spice Girls and Formula One are connected. Um, And in that conversation, I had mentioned about like how Red Bull Racing has a history of being really shady with their drivers um, and as well as like their drivers in their, their, their sister team, AlphaTauri or Toro Rosso. Um, 
And then literally the next morning I woke up and the first thing that I saw on Twitter was that Nick DeVries had been fired and was going to be replaced by Daniel Ricardo effective immediately. What? What the fuck? I prophesize. Are you what I am to the royal family? Uh, are you that for Formula One? Yes. Are, are you and Lewis are that for Formula One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and Lewis posting shirtless pics. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I don't- so what? I was going to say, I don't think Lewis posted this in a timely fashion, but maybe like the last one he posted was when the decision was already made. They were just oh. waiting. <laughs> Well, that's also that, you know what? That very well could be true. That very is. well could be true because, okay, so here's the situation. So Nick DeVries, um, if that is his real name, it's not. His <laughs> real name is Hendrick <laughs> and it bothers Jess. It bothers me a lot because he spells it with Nick with a Y. <laughs> yeah, it's very Come on, man. <laughs> um. It is only 10 races into the Formula One season. We have not even reached summer break. It is not silly season yet. Uh, but Nick DeVries was let go of his seat at AlphaTauri uh, due to poor performance, which, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was struggling a lot. Um, and there can be a conversation about So he's technically a Formula One rookie. I know that people were like, he's not a rookie because of his other extensive race history and the fact that he's 28 years old. (laughs) But like, technically, yes, he is a Formula One rookie, um, even though he has some previous other like championships and he's quote unquote old. I'm getting very tired of hearing people be like 28 is so old. I, I, yeah, I can imagine. It's killing me inside. Isn't it rude? <laughs> it's so mean. Why, why do the youth think like once you hit 25, like your life is over? <laughs> I mean, <sighs> I, yeah. Yeah. But so Nick DeVries is like, past racing records I think are inconsistent at best to be 100% honest with you um I don't know how he got some of the the Formula E championship he did because it was not a great season but that's besides the point um so there can be an argument made there but I I think it would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge how bonkers it is to just fire a rookie 10 10 races in yep like that's wild and here's the thing they all sign contracts if you uh-huh. do this in sports like people don't necessarily do this in other sports they don't break contracts like this but this mm-hmm. is really common for, like more this, common... like this is like another day for red bull <laughs> yeah like red bull just doesn't give a fuck and either i mean mclaren didn't give a fuck like they're mm-hmm. just like we'll pay it's worth it when, for us to pay when... out the driver Exactly. Like they have the money to just pay out the rest of the contract. I'm assuming that that's what's happening for Nick DeVries. Um, But like they didn't even give him the Daniel Ricardo treatment of at least letting him finish out the season and then breaking contract with him. It's just wild to me. It it's wild. Um, It's okay. I need to say one other thing because I'm going to sound really empathetic. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Okay. I feel bad for Nick DeVries, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. I do and I don't. Like, uh, in a philosophical way, this is just, this is, again, this is about labor. These mm-hmm. boys, these men on the track are the ones making these people money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're risking their lives. Them and the engineers are, their labor are, are the ones that, that that's, that is making them money. That is even mm-hmm. allowing them to pay out these contracts anyway. And so mm-hmm. there is a like psychological warfare that goes on here. And this happens in the corporate world all the time um, where you basically make it so that your employees feel like they have to be grateful or that they are in fear of losing their jobs to help make them perform better. And that's a, that is a toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. And if you're in one of those, you should leave if you can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But unfortunately, Red Bull has the best car right now and they know it. And so they are taking full advantage of that fact. The thing that kills me though is yes, Red Bull has the best car, but AlphaTauri, the team that Nick was on, has the worst. I know. The no. worst car on the grid right now. So it's also like, like okay, well, some of it I think was DeVries' <laughs> skill. Some of it is the fact that he's driving a fucking lunchbox. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but like I said, I don't want to sound like I'm having too much empathy for for Nick. Quote Nick. Um, <laughs> Nick. He, I I don't like him. I fucking hate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, first of all, he's Dutch. Second of all. <laughs> He, Netflix decided to give him like half an episode when he wasn't even in Formula One yet. And he used most of that episode to shit on Yuki. And I, and fuck that. Like, Mm -hmm. first of all, that's probably a racist thing. Second of all, Mm -hmm. I must protect Yuki with all my soul. Um, (laughs) And like, you're going to come out here like, oh, I'm, I'm hot shit as a 28 year old rookie. Not to say that 28's old, but. You haven't been able to make it into Formula One until now, and you think you're going to- In the Formula One world, 28 is old. (laughs) Ancient. Uh Fernando Alonso is like 90. Fernando Alonso is crumbling as we speak. Geriatric Formula One driver. I guarantee that's what they're going to call him. Um, But- But yeah, like, how are you going to do that? And then you come out here, and you are- dead last mm-hmm. or dnf so every much race shit. he talks so much shit about how he's gonna be the leader of the team and blah 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 because yuki isn't mature enough we have a lot to say about this like yuki has anger issues message that red bull and alfatari is trying to project what we really think is that yuki is a young 20 something year old dude and he's driving also a, a very uh-huh. Yeah. He's a rich, spoiled <laughs> Japanese boy. Like uh-huh. <laughs> that might not mean something to several of you, but just know it means something. <laughs> but we were having this conversation the other day of like people freak out whenever Yuki yells on the radio, which really doesn't happen that much. I saw somebody recently. I, I, you just have to trust me on this. I saw somebody recently post a thing that was like showing how how often the drivers talk on the radio versus how often their radio messages are projected mm-hmm. to uh to the race like uh, for us to listen into and Lewis and Yuki have very small numbers in terms of how much they actually talk versus how much their radios are broadcasted to us so it's like a disproportionate amount of people being like oh Yuki's yelling all the time when maybe it's like once or twice in the whole race when other people are talking way more more. Um, 
But people eat that shit up when it was like fucking Kimi Raikkonen screaming Mm -hmm. at his engineers all the fucking time. They Mm -hmm. love him for it. They obsess over him. That's their favorite part about Kimi Raikkonen, a white man. But the second that Yuki Tsunoda does it, it's a fucking problem. Yep. And when Lewis does it, he's just a a Mm -hmm. whiny bitch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Versus when Max does it. Well, yeah. He deserves he deserves to have his car working. Yeah. Oh my god. Max so cries if the wind is blowing. <laughs> and then George just reports the weather to everybody. <laughs> it's just sweat. <laughs> I'm George Russell is truly a test tube, baby. I'm sorry. Like this is not that is he he is not exhibiting normal human behavior ever. Like <laughs> God, he is, he has fallen so far from grace in my eyes. Yeah, like, we he, used to love George Russell and now we can't stand him. God, he's just such a little, oh, I can't stand him. Anyway, I don't want to spend any more energy talking about George Russell. <laughs> we have to talk about George Russell later, so we we'll do. save it for then. Um, but anyway, so this all, this whole thing with Nick DeVries was clearly, um, planned i think mm-hmm. um I, billy actually sent me a tiktok like i i haven't been on tiktok in several months i'm sorry <laughs> i haven't gone through <laughs> and, li- and watched all your tiktoks that you've sent me yet abby but billy sent me one like i think it was like two, almost two weeks before this happened um and it was like helmet marco being interviewed about something about devries and how it like he didn't care for his performance or something something mm-hmm. to that effect and so i feel like this was already in motion for a long time um was that the, which I don't remember which race it was at, but there were, um, Red Bull was, um, some of their promotional content that they had for that race weekend had Daniel and Yuki on a oh, boat. That was all the way back in Miami. Oh shit. That was back in Miami, May, early May. They were, <laughs> they were putting Yuki and Daniel together for marketing stuff, for all like the fun, cutesy driver stuff that we get leading up to the race. Um, never once did I really see Yuki and Nick paired together. So I, I think that this was like, they were testing it. They were testing one, how well would people react to seeing Yuki and Daniel together? And two, how well do Yuki and Daniel work together from like a, a media marketing standpoint? And the end is very well because they are both goofballs and they're willing to play off of each other but this was in the works for a long time also billy works in marketing and this stuff doesn't just get put together last minute usually no this stuff is part of a budget um things like boats and boat guides and like filming equipment all of that stuff it it requires coordination to ship to the locations and get people that it's a logistics thing and i mean red bull has tons of money so i i don't feel mm-hmm. like they had a problem doing any of this in a short amount of time but again it still takes planning there's still lots of mo- pieces to move to get mm-hmm. to be able to create content like this and um and i know for sure they're probably not like jumping at the bit to go over the cost cap again <laughs> so they do, they're probably being a little bit more careful with their budgeting this year yeah um, they're not spending money on quote-unquote catering <laughs> yeah so this that probably was also planned out at you know some amount of time in advance mm-hmm. as well so <laughs> when was this planned also there was a seat test with daniel in for mm-hmm. like the test car like the test the tire test that he was doing i think you don't just make a seat for somebody 
Yeah. It, it costs a lot of time and money to to make a seat. Like as strange as that sounds <laughs> for for our our I, I do think we have a decent amount of people who listen that aren't super into Formula One, but they just like to hear us talk about <laughs> Formula One because they're good people and they yeah. support our interests. But like you, it takes a lot of time and money to create the seat that fits that driver perfectly. Like they don't just make you a seat. Something oh, was up. <laughs> also, this is not like a car that you went and bought at like Toyota <laughs> down the street. There, There's no like... There, there's there's no lot of Formula One cars. Every piece of material that is put on these cars is made in a shop specifically for that car. It is measured for that car. There's not like a there's there's not a, a shop that just mass produces mm-hmm. this stuff. Like this is very specifically designed for this car only. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so that's you don't just make that for your reserve driver for a tire test. It's expensive. And again, uh-huh. Red Bull can afford it. But how, do, I mean, do they just budget all of this in from the beginning? <laughs> right. So like, so here, here's how the sequence of events went to my knowledge, um, like as it all hit its peak. Um, so like that's, that's all the stuff that was leading up to some of it. And then like you were saying earlier, lots of little snide comments from Helmut Marco about Nick DeVries' performance throughout the, the whole season. Um, apparently Helmut was the one who very much so wanted DeVries, but Christian Horner disagreed, but Helmut got his say and Helmut is being proven, has been proven wrong. And he is not happy about that because he needs therapy. So <laughs> <laughs> to my understanding, the sequence of events was, um, so this all was announced earlier this week on Tuesday this week, I think, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so over, uh, the, it's currently Sunday, the 16th right now, as we're recording this <laughs> over last weekend, Daniel Ricardo was doing a tire test in the Red Bull. Um, and apparently his lap times were, phenomenal they were great they were like getting close to being on par with like max's um and so christian horner gives helmut marco a call and is like hey daniel's uh lap times look incredible and helmut's basically like hang on i'll call you back Uh, (laughs) and then picks up the phone and calls nick devries and says goodbye you're out uh hangs up the phone calls christian horner back and goes so i've just fired nick devries put daniel ricardo in the alfatari um and so this apparently all of this wasn't supposed to come out until later in the week until like thursday or friday that's when red bull wanted to make the announcement but because of DeVries's team, DeVries's team said, absolutely not. They called Dutch media and were like, they let me go. Uh, and that's why we found out on Tuesday instead of later. Oh, shit. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck like, Red fuck Bull. Nick DeVries, but also fuck Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think that's, that's the whole theme here is. Yeah. 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 And it was astounding. The reaction to Daniel Ricardo being back in Formula One. And don't get us wrong, we were also very excited. <laughs> yeah, because fuck Nick DeVries. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we do enjoy Daniel Ricardo. Um, but like from a marketing standpoint, Red Bull and Alphatari made a fucking genius move. They did. Um 
there had been rumors of they were going to give Nick DeVries the boot for weeks and people were going back and forth about like who they would give the seat to. It was either between Daniel Ricardo or Liam Lawson, who is the other reserve driver. Um, and people were like, no, it's going to be Liam Lawson. It's going to be Liam Lawson. They made the right move putting Daniel Ricardo in that seat because all I have seen people talking about for several days is simply Daniel Ricardo is back in Formula One. Yep. That's Nobody- it. And there's some of us who are like, I mean, this is all great news, but also uh-huh. there's nothing about Nick DeVries. No- no. Nothing. <laughs> Just nothing. It didn't even say like... Um, Nick, you know, the, you know, their little infographic that they put out uh-huh. was like Daniel Ricardo joining AlphaTauri effectively immediately. No, no, nothing, nothing about like, not even like, I mean, he could have been replacing Yuki, but obviously we knew he wasn't like, right. But just, yeah, it's, it's wild. <laughs> so and the thing is at the end of the day too, this isn't even about DeVries. No. It's about Checo. I know. Um, and that's concerning to me because Checo has been struggling. I think it's a little bit of his own performance. It's also a lot of bit of how Red Bull has been treating him um, and some of Red Bull strategy uh, with some of his qualities. Um, but real realistically, this is, this is so Red Bull can decide if they want to replace Checo, if they're going to do it with Daniel Ricciardo or Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah. Ugh, which mm-hmm. uh, do we have time to even get into that? <laughs> oh, the Checo stuff. Yeah. I don't uh, probably not. We didn't really prep for it. <laughs> yeah. Let's that we prepped this, this yeah. episode. I think that's yeah. I'm really proud of us. <laughs> well, actually so we can, I guess we can talk a little bit about it. So relating to all of this, um, I, it was interesting because we were again, prophetic in a way, because Jess and I were talking about, Jess, you had brought up like how Red Bull is doing a lot of psychological warfare. Um, And then like the next day, um, a a, a motorsport journalist that both Jess and I follow, Elizabeth Blackstock, released an article on uh, Jalopnik. And it's it is literally all about like how Red Bull is doing psychological warfare and how they learned that um, through Enzo Ferrari, who is the uh, creator and owner of Ferrari originally, um, who Adam Driver is playing, <laughs> uh, which I think is fucking hilarious. He is getting typecast. Um, yes, <laughs> but it, it is a really it's a really good article. I would highly recommend reading it. The title of it is "Red Bull Racing is the Enzo Ferrari of Modern Formula One." Um, this was what helped me realize I didn't like, okay. So like, I know that people die in formula one, right. Or in the formula series and motorsport in general. And I knew it used to be a lot worse back in the day than it is now, though in recent years, it has been pretty bad. Um, I didn't realize how many of those deaths were just simply at the hands of Ferrari. (laughs) It's wild. Um, so that's get, gets illustrated in the article. And then, she goes on to talk about how like it seems like Red Bull is doing that not to the extent that it is like killing like f- actually killing their drivers but in ways that are like slowly killing them um yeah. um and also the, i think the only reason it's not killing them killing them is because the drivers union has pushed for a lot of safety yeah. <laughs> upgrades and changes in the tracks and all of that because of because of safety which we'll talk about in a bit but um 
if we still had a lot of the same safety issues that Ferrari had back in the day that they were just pushing the envelope on because the drivers were afraid to not get in these very unsafe cars and conditions to race because they Mm -hmm. thought they were going to lose their jobs. (laughs) And that's... Mm -hmm. That's a labor issue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through some of the article too to see like some of the specific examples with Red Bull and like seeing um, a, a driver who was promoted to Toro Rosso back in 2009 ended up retiring early from motorsport altogether because he was experiencing so much trauma specifically related to Helmut Marco. Yeah, he's 25 um, and he yeah. like yeah. He retired from the sport entirely. Uh, Content warning, eating disorders. Um, Another driver starved himself to the point of hospitalization when the driver weight was part of the overall total weight of the car because Red Bull encouraged him to. He was malnourished and dehydrated. Uh, it, It just goes on and on and on of like different ways that Red Bull is slowly killing their drivers. And that's not to say like, oh, there probably are other Formula One teams doing it, but I don't think on this extent. (laughs) Yeah. I, I honestly, like, I want to say one last thing about the Checo thing because Mm. it relates to this. The, the reason why I brought up psychological warfare and Red Bull is because we saw Checo doing really well at the beginning of the season. He mm-hmm. was com- he was competitive with Max. Like there mm-hmm. was a time when he was like he was asked in an interview, "What do you want?" and he said, "I want to be world champion." And things have not gone well for him since then. Yeah. Um and Yes, he was hired on as the secondary driver for Red Bull. Max was always going to be the focus. But I think it says a lot that because Checo, the Mexican driver on the team, the older driver, um, stood up for himself and tried to advocate for himself, um, is possibly being punished for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Daniel Ricciardo did great lap times in a Red Bull. I think mm-hmm. that says that the cars drive very similarly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't feel like Checo's car has been driving similarly uh, the mm-hmm. last few races. And obviously, like, something is going on with him. Like, we saw this happen to Daniel mm-hmm. Ricciardo at the end of last season. Most oh, of yeah. the season. His performance was awful because uh-huh. – and he even admitted he was fucking depressed um, right. because of whatever was going on at McLaren. And um, that's another company. Another constructor mm-hmm. that's also playing psychological warfare cycle with the Yep. So I don't. You can see it being played out in how in the driver's performances. Like you can tell when a driver is doing well mentally. Like the car matters a lot, but like you still need a driver that is in a headspace to compete. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's really sad. It's very distressing. And um, it's racism is playing a huge part as well as oh absolutely and you're not doing what you're told Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh it has been the entire time Checo has been there the amount of times like both Helmut Marco and Christian Horner have made really gross racist remarks um also just the racism that Checo has to deal with just existing as a Mexican driver like the time uh in Spain when somebody told him he was Spanish and it's just like uh, none of you people you don't think yeah. You don't think. Yeah. You don't think before you speak. Um, but I saw I saw a, a quote tweet from that article. Um, mm-hmm. and there was just a, a a quote in there that I felt was really 
really good <laughs> um, and, and relates to both Formula One and like SAG-AFTRA and WGA. Um, this was from uh, a user, Claire Quaclaire <laughs> on Twitter. Um, Terrible working conditions are often excused when in fields where the perception of workers is that they are motivated by a passion for the work. Mm. So... Like we, we also, I've seen a lot of, again, not to like feel bad for Nick DeVries, but like, I've seen a lot of people be like, well, why would you feel bad? Like, people shouldn't have to accept terrible working conditions just because like, this is also a thing that involves a lot of passion behind it too. Yeah. Because there is a desire to be in this work. Literally everybody deserves fair working conditions. End of story. (laughs) Yes. And I do realize that a lot of these Formula One drivers are millionaires. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are not. Esteban Ocon is not a millionaire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. um, Nick DeVries comes from money. So, and a lot of them do Mm -hmm. come from generational wealth. And so like, fuck that, you know, we can have that nuanced conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I, I think my main point from talking about all of this is that we need to start viewing more jobs under this lens of Mm -hmm. who is making who money and who is not being able to enjoy the fruits of their labor (laughs) because they're being exploited. Um, Because that quote, exactly like a lot of, I mean, my, my profession is not unionized sales. Um, and I understand why, (laughs) like there, you know, I understand why, like, but we are also, we are treated very poorly. We are the Mm -hmm. first people to be laid off and it's, it's a very unstable profession. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's something that I wish more people in my, in my industry would think and talk about, but unfortunately it's also filled with a lot of, um, Republicans. And so <laughs> we need to bridge that gap first, which is, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's ever going to happen. Um, but doctors, therapists, yeah. like yeah. nurses are unionized, <laughs> teachers are unionized. It's not. Um, and grad students, like mm-hmm. university, like higher education, there's, there's lots of like non, um, non-working class professions that are unionized. <laughs> so it is possible. Mm-hmm. It's just also something that. To... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <coughs> okay, no, you're dying. Just kidding. Also, something that I learned uh, uh, through looking through some of the comments on that article was that Helmut Marco wanted to give his drivers uh, uh, COVID purposefully to quote unquote build immunity. So that's the kind of person they're working with. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I hate him mm-hmm. so much. He's so bad. I made a hate list. <laughs> like who I hate the most in Formula One. Uh-huh. I need to find it. Hold on. Was that something you texted me? I think so. I think it was. Now that <laughs> now that you've said it, I'm remembering it. Let's see. We unfortunately I'm trying to message search Helmut Marco. <laughs> or at least Helmut. One of the first things that came up was Ugh, Helmut is gonna be racist again. <laughs> From July 31st, 2022. (laughs) I mean, so funny enough, this whole, um, this whole conversation around labor, et cetera, Nick DeVries, um, there is a driver's union. There's a Formula Mm -hmm. One driver's union. Like it's, it's, you know, again, 
<laughs> and often entertainers often unionize because they have the they have the lawyer power to really like mm-hmm. change the way that contracts are are um are written for them because they make a lot of money like <laughs> make a lot of money for not only themselves but for their employers and so they just it's you found it yes i did find your your hierarchy of hate in formula <laughs> 1 um, it is anyone who is mean to Lewis, <laughs> and then <laughs> Christian Horner, yeah. then Max Verstappen, followed by Zach Brown, followed by George Russell in all caps, <laughs> uh, and then is Alonzo, then Logan Sargent, and then anyone who is mean to Mick, and then it was also added also anyone who is mean to Alex Albon. And then Helmut Marco, and then... Did oh, I Martin Brendel. Martin Brendel's yeah. on there too. Yeah. We have a lot of people in Formula One we don't like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's talk more about the uh, GPDA. Yeah. Um, so Formula One does have a driver's union. Um, everybody's in it, and they've all been in it. Like every all. What am I trying to say? Every Formula One driver has been in it for several years at this point. I think like twenty seventeen. I guess that's not several. I, feel. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I guess that is several years. Yeah, that is several years. Fucking pandemic Ew. just ruined my sense of time. I hate the of time. <clears throat> I hate that I'm still traumatized by the pandemic. And so my, my concept mm. of time in those years is very confused. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been around since 1961. Um, it was disbanded um, for a period of time because... Um, they tried to change the contract on them. And so the South African GP of 1982 was delayed and, because the drivers went on strike. And this was led by Nicky Lauda, who mm. was um, obviously a Formula One driver, but he was also at Mercedes for a long time mm-hmm. with Toto. Um, like as an executive, not as a driver. Um, and <laughs> a very old driver at that point. <laughs> yes. Um, and I just want to point out that another person that I really hate in Formula One is Bernie Ecclestone because mm-hmm. he is just an a-, a racist fucking asshole, and I I really hate him because he said some he he has said some horrible shit about Lewis. He can't stand yeah. that Lewis is the the eight-time world champion Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he is (laughs) he really can't um but basically they they the drivers went on strike and there's a quote from bernie eccleston who was at ferrari at the time saying um that hi billy you got mcdonald's without me (gasps) that's a fucking crime He's wearing, he's wearing a Taylor Swift shirt right now. <laughs> oh my god. Um Oh, so he was he was with Ferrari at the time and he was basically like let like who cares? Just fire all of the drivers. You can't even see the driver in the car when they're driving Aww. anyway and the the fans are here to see Ferrari, not the drivers. Again, it's just such an, yeah, that's so fucked. And just also another example of how fucking detached rich people are from reality. Cause like, I know this, this, 
that was said in the 80s, but like fandom culture doesn't change that much, Mm -mm. right? So there have always been fandoms surrounding drivers, I guarantee you. And if if it's anything like it is now, you could not be further from the fucking (laughs) truth about people only are here for Ferrari. No, people are here to suck Charles Leclerc's dick. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. They want some more fan fiction content. That Mm -hmm. is why they are here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Good for them. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, um, there was another quote, um, from this article that I read about this whole, the whole South, um, the South African Grand Prix and like the events around that and around like the Mm -hmm. disbanding of the union. I'm not going to go into everything, but one thing that I thought was really cute is that, um, one of the drivers, Derek Warwick, um, said that this is what he said you know it was fantastic i got to know my colleagues for the first time because being a non-qualifier at the back of the grid you don't get a chance to speak to the guys at the front and that was very interesting to me so essentially like when unless the there's a driver's meeting or the union is meeting there's well now they have the whatsapp group that George had to have expeditiously kicked Nick DeVries out of and I, added Daniel Ricardo back in. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> they do I have a one. I, I will say, like, I do think that that has been, that's a thing that has changed over <laughs> the last couple of decades. <laughs> I forgot because, about the like, WhatsApp they, group. Yeah, yeah, they have their little WhatsApp group and they always try to go out to dinner together, like, after the last race of the season which like i mean it's not like that's that much but i mean some of these guys vacation together all the time that's very true Um, (laughs) but back in the day sure i could definitely see that being a bigger issue oh my god (laughs) i can't believe i forgot about the whatsapp group (laughs) like george's whatsapp group how could i forget (laughs) oh my god um oh so So anyway Oh, okay. so sorry. Hang on. I have a, I have a question about that. So basically it was disbanded because it like they couldn't oh, it, it agree was dis- on something? No. So there was an agreement. There was a compromise. Um, but they, they delayed the South African Grand Prix. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, the, what is it? FISA? F-I-S-A? Mm-hmm. I think. That used to be what the FIA is yeah, called. Um, I think. They... They penalized the drivers. Um, they fined them wow. and they suspended them uh-huh. for the race being delayed. And um, actually, the what was the um, FIA like appeals court at the time? They came back and repealed that. Repealed that, and they 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 won <laughs> essentially. Um, but um, the constructors association got pissed off because they were not benefiting I from the contract. And so I, I think I, I don't know the full um, I'm still reading that article cause it's really juicy. There's like mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff in there. I like didn't get to finish it before we started recording, but um, from what it looks like the constructors association got pissed and um, because of how it was affecting their bottom line really um they disband the union but there was a different something uh what was it called it was replaced by something else um the professional racing drivers association so Mm. but yeah i don't know but it was again the constructors being fucking assholes (laughs) like yeah i so i had i had found something about a different uh attempt at a driver's union um that we'll talk about in a little bit 
but it's all fucking connected to this. Yeah. Because Bernie Ecclestone was also the fucking problem at this most <laughs> recent issue. And it's because, uh, like, the reason that he engaged in what was essentially union-busting tactics was because he used to be part of that constructors' union mm-hmm. that was that was created to protect the rights of privately owned businesses um, instead of, like, the drivers and shit like that. He, Bernie Ecclestone was part of that. And he was able to use that union to get a lot of power within the FIA. Uh, And so to see that he fucking, he was part of this whole thing too, to, to help disband the, the, the GPDA for Mm -hmm. several years. Mm -hmm. uh, This is just in his genes. This is what he does. Yeah. He's a, he's not being racist to Lewis. He's union busting. He was a horrible person. What a dick. I hate him. How old is he? He's old. (laughs) I know he's old, but I want to know how close He's 92. We could be celebrating in the not-so-distant future. All right. Let's make this happen. (laughs) I I mean... We're speaking it into existence. Not that we're going to do it. (laughs) We are not burning down Bernie Ecclestone's house. Never. Never. Um, So... So the reason that the um, the driver's union was reinstated is because of that weekend that Ratzenberger and Senna died at, San, at the San Marino GP in the 90s. Um, no, that was and- at Imola. Right? I thought they died at Imola. I don't know why I wrote. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, you were right. Sorry. No, Why you're did okay. I think it was Imola. Oh, it's the San Marino Grand Prix at the Imola circuit in Italy. <laughs> so we're both right. <laughs> Just in different ways. Why does the Imola GP have so many fucking names? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm so upset. <laughs> I didn't know that Emilia was the same. Mania. I didn't know that was the same thing. I thought it was a different Grand Prix, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just wrote I was what like, was in the article. We, we always talk about it come Imola, which we didn't have Imola this year, but maybe that's, that's why, why I, I forgot. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but literally back to back, two drivers died. Yeah, so rats. So Ratzenberger died in qualifying on Saturday, mm-hmm. or when, whatever fucking time exists differently. Um, no, it was on Saturday. It was on Saturday? We're Americans, and I'm on the West Coast, so I really don't understand what time these Grand Prix actually happen in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> to me, they're at 6 in the morning. Um, <laughs> um, oh, so he died. Um, he crashed and died on Saturday, and then um, apparently Senna um, spent the whole next morning talking about about this to another teammate about how they should reestablish the GPDA um, because mm-hmm. they need to improve safety conditions for drivers. And he was um, talking about he would take on the chairman role and um, literally die the next day mm-hmm. <laughs> or that day. That like, is, yeah. Same yeah. Crack. Similar. I think almost at the same, almost at the same spot. I think so too. If I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean that that rocked the the Formula One world. Um, so 
it's it's a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing that the GPDA was reinstated. It should have been well there and beforehand. Agreed, and it should be. It's it's still it's still a. I don't know. It's a bunch. It's twenty men. I'm sorry <laughs> that are like mm-hmm. that are wealthy running. You know, in this, and they all vote on shit, and so it's like, you know, like so they met um, for. Um, Jetta 2022 mm-hmm. um, to decide if they should race that weekend because there were was literally an Aramco oil facility being bombed mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the civil war in Yemen, um, yeah. like very close by. And so people were like, this is unsafe. And they decided to race anyway. Uh, but also, I don't know how much the Saudi government was involved in like possibly making sure that this happened, this race took yeah. place, because there were some yeah. questionable things about passports being taken and stuff like that. But we actually did record an episode about that <laughs> that GP and Abu Dhabi, but um, it's that that's just in the ether. It's never going to be released because you had editing issues with it, remember? Really? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, wait. No, I it's do remember ball. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, and that's not that's unfortunately not one we can recover because there was bad audio issues with that yeah. one. It's in the that's a bummer. It's in the vault forever. <laughs> the LBT vault. The LBT vault. God. LBT's version. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah. So um, like, I, like I. Oh, go, no, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. Like I like I kind of mentioned earlier, there there have been other attempts at some sort of unionization within Formula One. Um, one of the most recent ones was the Formula One Teams Association or FOTA. Um, I, again, we're not going to get super into it because there's a lot to get into it and that could be its whole own episode. But essentially, this was a group created based on like it was all of the teams coming together kind of thing so the people that were at head of photo were the team principals which there's your problem already <laughs> um <laughs> imagine christian horner and toto wolf in the same room <laughs> trying well, the, to... toto wasn't a team principal at this point so I, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I don't right. know, maybe, uh, because like mercedes wasn't its own team yet this was in 2009 yeah. that this all started um and like came <laughs> to a head like 2011 ish um So essentially this group was created with team interest at heart and they were upset with new cost cap proposals um, because this was right at the, um, right at the uh, recession in 2008. Mm. And so they were looking at ways how to make like formula one more cost friendly. And all of these guys who are used to having all of the money they want at their disposal were like, no, I'm mad about that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that's a really like, that was like, the the inciting incident if you will um and it would have it very nearly got to a point of introducing a breakaway series that would have split formula one in two um like these the foda had had supposedly had contracts with other circuits to create their own cal- calendar oh, for the shit. next year including but not limited to monaco Oh shit. So like that that's a big <laughs> deal. <laughs> um yeah. and but there were a lot of internal issues because like I said this was all being <laughs> led by the team principals. And if you've learned anything about Formula 1 through us aside from Lewis is the best, it's probably that team principals are 
selfish little man babies <laughs> at the end of the day um, and really only care about themselves. Um, or, or are Otmar and are just completely clueless to what's going yes. on. <laughs> Has no thoughts behind those eyes. Yeah. Um, so Rear. there was a lot of internal issues that like happened throughout uh the dispute within FOTA um because they they couldn't really agree on what their own cost measure things would be in their breakaway series um and also like initially it was all of the teams coming together saying we're not gonna fucking race and so then the FIA was like all right bet uh, and then Williams and um, Force India got scared, <laughs> essentially, and signed a contract with them like the next day. And so they had to be kicked out of the union. Um, and then eventually Red Bull and Ferrari would end up leaving FOTA. And that was like the downfall of it all. Um, and a lot of it could be attributed to like the fact that there was a lot of internal issues <laughs> that they couldn't agree on, unsurprisingly. But also... Like Bernie Ecclestone was like coming up to them and probably whispering in their ears and offering them little deals because they were able to come up with something that they agreed with, with the FIA. Um, and they were able to come up with a new Concord agreement for the, I think the 2012 season um, with Bernie Ecclestone and the FIA. And I also realized, so like, as, as we now know, there is a cost cap budget. Um, it took them a long time to be able to get this cost cap budget, which the cost cap budget that was pro- uh, proposed in 2009 was like $30 million, I think 30 to $40 million. The cost cap now is $145 million. Oh, my God. I think. Something along those lines. Oh, my God. Um, or when it was proposed in 2021, that's mm-hmm. what it was. Um, I think it might be up to like $200 million now. Um, but when it was first proposed in 2021, it was like 145 million. And when it was first proposed in 2021, I saw a quote from Bernie Ecclestone saying, all you have to do is get Ferrari and Red Bull on board and then tell the rest of the teams, take it or leave it. So I'm interested in knowing how he has them in his little back pocket. Cause he totally does. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to go. I'm going to be reading all about Bernie Ecclestone. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's going to be our new person of interest. And I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that was another attempt at like some sort of Formula One unionization that almost resulted in like breaking away from Formula One entirely and essentially creating like a Formula 1.5. Um, so, it, And it was the recognition that Bernie Ecclestone had of like, my own union has been very powerful in the past. I know what this is capable of. So I'm going to get in there and I'm going to fuck it up. (laughs) God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But now we have the, the GPDA and I am conflicted about them. Yeah. I don't, I don't. So they have been able to like lobby for a lot of, for some good stuff. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I don't feel that they are effective as a whole as a union because there's just too much individual interest. Yeah. Um, Because it's a bunch of rich people. What it comes down to at the end of the day, it's a bunch of rich people who are competing against each other. But like, I don't know. They need a different kind of, 
uh, they need a different kind of organization for safety measures, like yeah. to advocate for something like that. Um, I, you know what? I meant to look this up and I didn't. Do the engineers have a union? That's a good question. I don't know. Formula One engineer. Yeah, because keep in mind, like, this is all just driver stuff that we're talking about. This is not even like talking about the the on the ground workers who are Charles. <laughs> it is not time yet. Who are at some points literally working around the clock on these cars. Um and it it looks like I'm not finding anything that's coming up immediately about uh engineering unions within Formula One. Um apparently in France they are and so Renault oh. is okay. Or yeah, Al- I guess maybe Alpine. that 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 becomes maybe makes more sense. Of, of a like country thing. Yeah, that makes sense because they are their yeah. like own. Yeah, I can't imagine if we're like talking about concerns with like driver safety. I can't imagine how bad it is for like engineers. I know, I know. Um, so speaking of driver safety, the um, mm-hmm. the other like more recent thing that the drivers union needs to advocate for themselves essentially because they're the ones who Mm -hmm. are going to be suffering from this um is that dutch boys um death at spa a couple weekends Mm -hmm. ago um and it's because the weather was not good and that turn is notoriously dangerous especially when the when the road is wet and i i found out through an article that lance stroll is very passionate about this this corner in particular and this track um and he is um he's tried to bring up discussions around spa and um everybody doesn't seem to be taking him seriously and i'm really trying to imagine mm-hmm. lance stroll being like fired up and angry right now and i <laughs> i just can't but also that, it that okay. needs to we're they're going to be in spa again no i think it's hungary then spa then yeah. summer break then yeah. zandvoort which i Correct me if I'm wrong. This is so within topic, but also off topic. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I always remember spa being after summer break. No. Yeah, maybe. Really? August. Because, yeah, because when, because that was my first F1 race (laughs) with spa 2021. And you were here in late August. I think it depends. Oh, okay. Because the calendar kind of changes around. Yeah, that's true. Because I was like, I feel like it used to be after summer break, but now they're making Zandvoort after summer break as like, ah, back in Formula One and Max's home race. That's that's the vibes that it gives me. Speaking of Zandvoort, I found out in my research about the driver's union that um, the current chairman's name is Alexander Wurtz. He's, uh, mm. he's Austrian. And apparently there hasn't really been an Austrian driver com- like that's, you know, really dominated the, the, mm. the scene um, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently like Austrian identity is central to formula one, apparently whatever Austrians think they're way more important than they are. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, Wirt said something about how he thinks his son who is in formula two, I think um, is a new and up and coming Austrian driver that has promise. And he's probably going to be like the next big thing. And, Apparently, Helmut Marco does not agree with him. <laughs> oh my! He's very been very vocal about like no, of <laughs> absolutely course. not. He's such an asshole. Uh, 
He's such an asshole. <laughs> I can't fucking stand him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we are racing at Spa again soon. And uh, that track makes me nervous. Um, that remember track in, it, in bad weather makes me nervous. Um, the That was your first Formula One race and it rained the entire yeah. time. I they was canceled it. <laughs> I was up for how many? We were up for how many hours? I was just like laying in bed trying to watch the stupid race and I kept falling asleep. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, what what happened with um, Delano Van Toff in, in Formula... What was he in? Formula Renault? Um, one of the, the other formula, um, formula regional European championship. There's so many different formula series. I can't keep up. No, uh, that, that was the thing that's like, th- this shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Like why, if we canceled spa 2021, when like our top, our, our pinnacle of motorsport drivers were there, why are we canceling it then? But not with these children. Yeah. Because he was like, what, like 18, recently yeah. turned 18. Most of these kids in, in that formula series are like 16, 17, 18 years old. These are children. They just got their licenses. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the the way that the spray was that day was just unacceptable. And it's constantly going back to FIA um, negligence, which is the same thing that has happened for pretty much every recent driver death in any formula series is I feel like it goes back to FIA negligence and that's where I feel like that the GPDA I'm not trying to be like a dick or anything like that I think they have made some effect some good effective changes but not enough like not to the yeah. point where it's like the, these drivers need to fucking actually band together yeah and actually make a stand in the interest of their safety and the f- safety of future drivers but reality they're I don't think that they're at least the way things are, they're ever going to do that because it's just a bunch of rich people. <laughs> they should let the kids, the all the Formula Series drivers join mm-hmm. the, the union. Mm-hmm. They should make it one huge union and may, they can be the chairman. Because, entire... or, or just have a separate, they're all, they all have their separate contracts under the, those unions. Yeah. Like, they should just... An entire driver's union is yeah. what, what they need. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe not with George Russell being one of the directors. <laughs> Of course, of course, George Russell is one of the directors. <laughs> he you is that kid. <laughs> you remember that comment that I sent you right, that I saw on TikTok that's like George Russell's true calling is like in a middle management <laughs> company where that uses Microsoft Teams. <laughs> that's really where he belongs. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, good for him being you yeah. know the he- the one of the directors of the union. Like, good for him. Yeah, but still just. <laughs> Like a fucking hall monitor, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the vibes it gives. Like hall monitor vibes. Yeah, but Seth, Seth is, is still also... technically one of the directors. Yeah, I think. I mean, the chairman isn't. Or is he still driving in Formula? Whatever it was, he's also driving in Alexander. What's his name? He's still oh, driving. He really? I think he's still driving in one of the other series. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but yeah, he's still he's not in Formula One anymore and he's still the chairman, so I don't see why Seb can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that was I think that was the deal that they were gonna give him another year to think about whether or not he wanted to stay on yeah. as director as GPDA. And so I think like at the end of this season is when he has to make his decision. Oh, um, but it is also the first time starting in 2021 that there is a non-driver who's one of the directors. Mm-hmm. Um Which- Anastasia Fowl. I think that's how you say her last name. She's a lawyer. Yeah. Which makes sense. 
<laughs> yeah. But also, why yeah. don't you just why don't you just consult a lawyer? Why do they have to be in the? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't. I because I, I. Yeah. These guys are not union minded at heart. I think <laughs> maybe having someone um, with a dedicated role in the union is like where they yeah. have to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. I don't know. I just wish somebody could like sit these guys down and be like, this is beneficial for you. If you want to keep being rich boys who get to take vacations in Ibiza. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta listen. <laughs> By the way, um, Shakira and both, both Shakira and Lewis are dating other people. <laughs> Maybe. Uh. <laughs> I, uh, Formula One Twitter informs me of that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm I'm sad we're probably not gonna get our our Shakira featuring Lewis single coming out. Yeah, I was I was really gunning for that. <laughs> I maybe, wanted that. I know. Maybe it'll still happen. But <laughs> yeah. You never know. You never know. Anything else that we wanna talk about as relates to like unions? I mean, we could talk for hours. Um but specifically within Formula One, WGA, SAG AFTRA. Um, I would say one thing is um, going back to listening to the strike captains and the union mm. leadership. Don't cancel anything. Don't unsubscribe. Oh, yeah. um, there hasn't been, there's no consumer boycott in effect yet. So mm-hmm. um, in fact, a lot of people are asking us to continue streaming and, and buying and consuming for the projects that are already out because it shows that there's demand and mm-hmm. there's um, financial gain tied to the talent <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're taking advantage of, of these workers. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, uh, something that I, I feel like it w- would be clear if you knew and understood us in the, as individuals, but because people like to assume our intentions otherwise, um, we will, I mean, not that we're going to be podcasting much anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this was never really an issue for us to begin with, but like we will not be talking about any sort of struck content um, yeah. as long as the, the strikes go on. And it was also released within the influencer guide. Um, one of the uh, FAQs, <laughs> What? Shut up. <laughs> I hate it too. <laughs> I hate referring to the influencer guide too. <laughs> um, one of the questions was, am I allowed to promote struck work on social? Shut up. <laughs> Where did this happen? <laughs> I don't know. How did we get here? I just wanted to make a stupid podcast. <laughs> And now here we are, 66 episodes in after like five years. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the question is, am I allowed to promote struck work on social media as a fan and not in a paid capacity? And the answer is influencers should refrain from posting on social media about any struck work, regardless of whether they are posting organically or in a paid capacity. Because at the end of the day, it is promotion in some regard, even if we are not getting paid to do so, which trust us, we're never going to get paid to promote yeah. anything <laughs> on this podcast ever. Nobody. <laughs> people wants- will not. No, people don't want us, which is no. fine. It's not our goal anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we will. We won't be talking about any struck content. Um, we will be paying attention to people who do. Yeah. Because there's probably going to be lots. That includes like the Ahsoka show. 
I forgot that was coming out. (laughs) It'll be a very interesting next couple of months, I think, Mm -hmm. in our sphere. (laughs) Hopefully this doesn't last months, but billionaires are fucking stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know it's really bad when Wall somebody from Wall Street comes out in some article and is like, "This is a really stupid move, guys. What are you doing?" (laughs) Wait, really? I didn't see that. Yeah, I forget. I forget. I saw it on Twitter. It was like somebody was quoting an article in Financial Times, I think, Hmm. or not Financial Times. Maybe it was Wall Street Journal. I don't remember, but it was funny. (laughs) That is pretty funny. Well, with that. Promote strike content on your socials if you can. Donate to the Entertainment Community Fund if you can, or boost it if you cannot. Um, listen to Strike Captains. Unionize. <laughs> um, my dog is offering his two cents too. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear him. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a horrible heat wave going on and uh, please everyone don't die it's so bad yeah also if you're in the midwest and like i am and getting all these the all the smoke from canadian wildfires uh please be conscious of the time that you're spending outside and if you have to be outside you should wear a mask when the air quality is bad because it's yeah. bad again uh, it's supposed to be bad for s- several days <laughs> great <laughs> so good luck i love my life hopefully, hopefully it <laughs> rains because it hasn't been Hasn't it been raining? Yeah. Um, Yay, climate climate change uh-huh. effects. Because uh-huh. it's monsoon season in Los Angeles, apparently. We are having thunderstorms <laughs> in July. I I can't even tell you this. It has, I don't know what, what's going on. And I don't know how to handle mm-hmm. any of this weather. <laughs> I'm so confused. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, when we're not dying, uh, you can find us on some socials, I guess. Oh, um, my God. That's a whole other are... conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are still on Twitter. I think we're kind of firmly we're here until it crashes and burns <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Um, not as in any support to Elon Musk, but just because we don't want to really. It's so much work to go somewhere else. Also, um, nowhere else is this fun. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> it's also boring. I don't like it. But we are on Twitter at LBT Pod. Um, don't send us an email because um, <laughs> we don't check our email. Uh, and you can listen to us on all the different podcatchers for now, at least. Yeah. We'll find out if that's going to change <laughs> yeah. in your future. That might change. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Jess, where can people find you? You can find me on at at space jess with four s's in the jess everywhere i'm i am on all the socials it just i am only active on instagram and twitter (laughs) (laughs) and you can find me on all the things at abby m cecilia yeah i'm on a couple of different things but i'm really only using twitter and that's about it yeah which i you have you will have to pry it from my cold dead hands (laughs) yeah (laughs) truly truly i will go down with this ship (laughs) (laughs) all right Don't expect anything from us, as always. We'll see you when we see you. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Bye. Bye. Bye.